everyone, you're listening to Brain Dump, a podcast about science, health, and the ups and downs of my life as a recent college grad. I am Leah, your host, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to follow the adventures of my young adulthood in 2020 and beyond, and also optimize your knowledge of science and health along the way, make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating if you can, and also follow us on our social media at braindump.podcast to get updates on new episodes and so I can connect with you guys. Today we're going to talk about neuroscience, one of my favorite topics as it was what I really studied in college. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the special superpower that the brain has. And it's something that really deepened my love for neuroscience when I learned about it. And it's something that I really delved into not only in my schooling, but also with my work experience. I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today, so definitely stay tuned. As a preview, it's what allows children to live normal lives with hemispherectomies. For those who don't know what that is, it's a surgery in which half of your brain gets taken out. It's also what allows a man without arms to have become one of the world's best archers. It also is what simply allows you to learn and remember information throughout your lifetime. For a long time, scientists believed that the brain changed very little, if at all, after childhood. There was this belief that after your first few years of life, your brain was more or less fixed and that any changes that were made were pretty superficial. In a similar vein, brains are often compared to computers or like a power grid where there's all these connections that allow software or I guess in this case your behaviors to happen, but the comparison to a computer again implies this idea that things are fixed and not very changeable. Unlike computers though, scientists have realized that brains are very flexible. In a way, you could say that brains come to the table half-baked. You're obviously born with a brain and there are some connections there already formed, but as you grow up, your brain is absorbing the world around you and is changing accordingly. This idea is formally known as neuroplasticity. It's also called brain plasticity, so we'll be using those terms interchangeably during the episode. But neuroplasticity is what I want to talk about today. It's the idea that the brain can change throughout your life based on a variety of environmental, behavioral, and neural changes. Now, to get into the technicalities a little bit, neuroplasticity is your brain's ability to reorganize or remap itself by either carving out new neural pathways or on the flip side getting rid of pathways that it wasn't using anymore. So on one hand you can form new connections and that's done in a variety of ways. You can have neurogenesis happen which is when new brain cells or when new neurons are forming. You can get new synapses. Synapses are the part of the neuron, the part of the brain cell that connects to other brain cells. And by having new synapses, the brain cell can reach out to other brain cells surrounding it and create new connections from there. Or you can have strengthened synapses, so connections that already exist, but through experience and through repetitive use of those connections, you can strengthen them and solidify them. On the other hand, neuroplasticity can happen through the deletion of connections. One of the many forms of this is called pruning, and actually, this happens a ton in humans. In fact, for those who don't know, around age two is when you have the most neurons, the most brain cells, out of 
any point in your life, which is kind of crazy to think about because you're so young, so you wouldn't think that you have so many connections at that point. But what the brain actually does is that it sort of overcompensates at the beginning of life and it forms all of these connections because you're absorbing and learning so much at the beginning of your life. So after the age of around two years old, you do experience a lot of this pruning. And as the name implies, that's basically cutting out a lot of these connections that won't necessarily be needed later in life. The fact that connections in our brain are deleted all the time kind of ties into this idea that a lot of neuroscientists bring up when referring to brain plasticity. It's commonly known as the use it or lose it principle. Essentially, if you never use a connection, you're simply gonna lose that connection. It's gonna be deleted. There can also be weakened connections there. They're not always deleted. Um, so just as synapses, connections can be strengthened, they can be weakened. But like I mentioned earlier, they can also be complete deletions of cells, and that's called apoptosis. Um, that's a form of cell death. So when does the brain actually utilize the superpower of neuroplasticity? Plasticity often results from different areas competing for space throughout the brain. So when you look at a science textbook, you'll often see that the brain is labeled by different regions, and these regions are supposed to represent different functions of the brain. And to a certain extent, that is correct for the average human, but based on that person's history, their characteristics, their background, some regions will be more significant, more important, bigger than others. This is the idea of cortical takeovers, but for the sake of this episode, we'll just call it brain competition. An example of this is when we look at people who are born blind, the part of the brain that should be attributed to vision called the visual cortex it's often being used by other areas of the brain that have kind of taken over that area actually this concept ties into a really cool theory i learned about this year that hasn't necessarily been proven per se but it was proposed by one of my neuroscience professors at stanford and he believes that we dream as humans in order to keep the visual cortex active because if you look at humans in a brain scan when they're sleeping and dreaming even though their eyes aren't open, that part of the brain that corresponds to vision is very much active while we sleep. And he believes that dreaming is almost a way for the brain to prevent other areas from taking over the visual cortex while we sleep. I thought that was a really cool idea and it makes total sense when you think about it, but until this year it hadn't really been proposed. We'll see if that theory gets traction in the science world, I guess, over the next couple of years, but... You heard it here first, guys. It's a very plausible theory for why we dream. So now that we know how brain plasticity or neuroplasticity manifests itself in the brain, let's talk about when it actually happens. So to put things simply, the brain changes based on its inputs or the information that it's getting. And that information is almost always dictated by one, the characteristics of your world, and two, what is most important to you or what is relevant to you. Now, these changes, like I mentioned before, can look like many different things. 
but some can even be seen with the naked eye if you just look at someone's brain. A really cool example of this, and I am a little biased because I'm a violinist, but we do see really cool changes in the brain with musicians. Specifically, there is this one part of the brain that's kind of in the middle of the brain. If you're looking at it from the top down, there is this one little fold in the brain that, if you're looking at a musician's brain, will be shaped like an omega sign. It's only seen in musicians or people that have spent years and years improving their fine motor activity, so movement involving their fingers, hands, and wrists. And what's even cooler is that if you compare the brains of pianists and violinists, pianists will have omega signs in both sides of their brain, whereas in violinists, they will only have one omega sign on the right side of their brain. And for those who don't know, the right side of the brain maps to the left part of the body and the left side of the brain maps to the right side of the body. So if you think about it, violinists use their left hand a lot for finger patterns, but not so much the right hand because that's the hand holding the bow. Whereas pianists are using fine motor activity in both of their hands, which is why we only see one omega sign in violinists and two omega signs in pianists. What to learn from this example is how you challenge yourself in your life matters when it comes to brain plasticity. What you're going to spend your time on is actually going to affect your brain architecture. And those changes can be as large as something like the omega sign in the brain or as small as individualized connections being strengthened. So the more you do something, the stronger the connection is going to get. And on the other hand, the less you do something, the more likely you are to lose those connections. Another thing that neuroscientists have found is that whatever you're doing consistently needs to actually be relevant to you in order for neuroplasticity to occur. Meaning that, say you're practicing piano every day, but the entire time you're dreading it, you know that this is not going to serve you in any shape or form throughout your life and you're convincing yourself that it has no relevance to you, you're going to see much less neuroplasticity compared to somebody who is very self-motivated, maybe is a professional pianist or wants to be a professional pianist. So that's something definitely to keep in mind when you're trying to take up a new skill or talent or hobby. The more you find that activity relevant, the more efficiently those brain changes are going to take place. Another thing to know about brain plasticity is that it lasts through your lifetime, but it does diminish a little bit towards the end of your life. We can think of the brain almost like a city. What happens at the beginning tends to last. The foundations that you see in a city are still very much present years and years down the line. All that's been added are some new buildings, maybe some parks here and there, but the basic grid of the city is going to be there no matter what. So similarly, in the brain, there's some pathways that are going to be more established than others, and the longer you live, the more of those established brain pathways you're going to have. Another feature of this is that our older memories tend to be more stable than our younger memories. That's why if you've ever seen or met someone with Alzheimer's, they have no problem talking about a memory that happened back in their young adulthood, but they will have more trouble recalling memories that happened in the recent past. And that's a direct result of neuroplasticity diminishing over time. 
So definitely something to keep in mind, but again, neuroplasticity can last throughout your lifetime. In fact, there is a really cool study that I learned about recently. What they did is that they actually studied a bunch of nuns, as in religious nuns, and they found that although one-third of them presented the neurological symptoms of Alzheimer's, None of them actually showed cognitive symptoms of Alzheimer's because when they lived in their convents, they were kept so cognitively active that there was enough brain plasticity going on that they were able to carry out their everyday life just as it was when they were younger. So that's definitely a very hopeful study in the sense that even if you are prone to certain neurological disorders, the way that you keep your brain active throughout your life is really going to make a difference as you age. So in short, neuroplasticity is really what makes your brain resilient and what makes it capable of learning from new experiences throughout your life. I really think it's a superpower and it's such a defining aspect of neuroscience that I find so interesting. And in fact, I'm not the only one that finds it interesting because in recent years, there have been a lot of tech companies that have actually been leveraging the principles of brain plasticity to build all types of innovative products. One of the more well-known ones is AI. As many of us know, it's very much influenced by neural networks, how the human brain works, and brain plasticity is a huge part of that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to learn new things just as AI wouldn't be able to adjust its functioning based on its inputs. But more specifically, I want to talk about these two really awesome companies that I recently interned at that are literally basing their products off principles of neuroplasticity. Now, these aren't sponsorships or anything, I just find the work of these companies to be really exciting and unique, and the way that they incorporate neuroscience principles into their work is just super interesting, and I was really excited to contribute to their work while I was working there. So, the first company is Halo Neuroscience in San Francisco. Their product, which is called Halo Sport, is based on a ton of research that's been going on in the past 15 years or so, in which brain scientists have tried to invent ways to temporarily boost brain plasticity by basically allowing neurons to better connect with each other in order to learn things faster. Specifically, this goal of boosting neuroplasticity has been achieved through this technique called transcranial direct current stimulation, or TDCS, and what it does is that it picks a specific part of your brain, and when it's turned on, it basically like zaps your brain and temporarily hyperactivates that region and makes the brain cells in that region more prone to forming new connections based on whatever information it's receiving at that time. And so what Halo Neuroscience's product does, Halo Sport, is it's literally a headset, like a pair of headphones, where the headband part lays right on top of your motor cortex, aka the part of the brain that's responsible for your motor activity. And when you turn the headset on, it temporarily increases neuroplasticity in that part of the brain responsible for movement. So the end result is that using the product will help you strengthen your muscle memory and help you learn new motor skills faster and more effectively. So as you can guess, by the name Halo Sport and also its function, it's been used with a ton of athletes um, in order to make their training more effective, 
They've seen tons of improvements in endurance, strength, and skill. And it's also been used for musicians. And as a violinist, I actually used their product for about six weeks in my own little experiment where I basically learned two really hard passages of a piece that I was preparing for a concert. And I practiced one of the sections with their headset with the real stimulation and the other section with placebo or fake stimulation. And as the person using the product, I didn't know which was the real and which was the fake stimulation. And through a bunch of different tests, we saw that at the end of the six weeks, the section that I was practicing with the real stimulation improved much more consistently than the other one. I actually made an entire YouTube video about this experience. Um, if you search up my name, Leia Borgad, on YouTube, it'll definitely pop up. Um, feel free to check it out if you want. I wrote, produced, and edited that video, and it's, it's pretty fun, if I do say so myself. Um, so that was the first company I worked for, and earlier this year, I interned at this other company called Neosensory. It's actually founded by the same neuroscientist that proposed this theory for dreaming. His name is David Eagleman. He's an author as well as a Stanford professor. Um, super, super cool guy, really nice, and obviously really smart. And his company, Neosensory, was founded with the goal of creating brain-machine interfaces to create new human senses. And by human senses, I literally mean human senses, as in sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell, which is pretty crazy to think about, that we could have more than five senses. But if you know how neuroplasticity works... It actually makes sense. When you think of our brains, they're super amazing. They're gathering all this information and also spitting out all this information, but they're trapped in this big vault of darkness in our heads. They're not actually like seeing or hearing or smelling or any of that. Instead, they're processing trillions of electrical signals and are finding associations, detecting patterns, and assigning meaning based on the inputs we get from our world. So in other words the big pink lump of tissue we call our brains, it doesn't actually care where the signals are coming from. It's basically just accepting data and learning what to do with it. So we could feed in signals from just about anywhere, and with enough time, the brain would eventually learn what the information means. So this company, Neosensory, has taken that principle, which is very much all about neuroplasticity, and it's applied it to this idea called sensory substitution. This concept was discovered back in the 1960s, and it's what allows for the transmission of information through unusual inputs. If you figure out how to transmit information to the brain, it will basically learn to connect itself to any input that it's sensing. So specifically, Neosensory wanted to create technology that would offer an alternative to the typical experience of hearing. And the first product they launched, which they launched actually right as I joined the team as an intern, is called Buzz. And Buzz is a wristband that captures sound and it translates it directly into vibrational patterns on the skin in real time. So basically you would turn it on. It's also connected to an app because it has different modes based on if you're like sleeping or listening to music or you're just going about your day. But as sounds would be going on in your environment, the wristband would be reacting to it in real time by vibrating or buzzing in a certain way. And with practice, the band allows your brain to form rapid associations between 
the vibrations and other signals in your world. And so before you know it, your brain will eventually learn to associate certain sounds with certain vibrations until at some point you could just feel the vibration and know what sound is going on. And with that, a new sense will be born. So based on this technology, we targeted Buzz very much to the deaf and hard of hearing community as a way for them to experience sound without actually being able to hear in the traditional way. It was a really cool product, definitely super innovative. I don't think I could have ever come up with something like that. But like I mentioned earlier, it very much utilizes the principles of brain plasticity. And I will say that Halo Neuroscience and Neosensory are one of many, many companies that are literally taking this concept of neuroscience and applying it to work that could benefit so many people around the world. Overall, I just love learning about neuroplasticity. I find it to be such an important topic when learning about neuroscience and also a concept that I find really exciting to talk about with people that don't necessarily have deep knowledge of science or neuroscience. And I can't wait to see what scientists discover next about it and also what companies are going to do with it. I feel like the possibilities are really endless and I hope you're just as excited as I am. So that's a wrap on this new episode of Brain Dump. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Again, if you want to follow the podcast, get updates on new episodes, I really encourage you to subscribe, leave a review, and follow our social media. We have a Facebook and Instagram. They're both at braindump.podcast. And I can't wait to put out new episodes for you guys. As always, if you have any suggestions for what you want to learn about, hear about, maybe people to bring on, as guests i would be super open to your feedback and i hope to connect with more of you soon again thank you for listening to brain dump and see you next time bye guys bye.